My name is Lamar Hardwick. I'm a husband, father of three, pastor, scholar, author, an all-around avid reader and lover of all things culture. And in 2014, at the age of 36 years old, I was diagnosed autistic. This is the Autism Pastor Podcast, where we discuss all things culture, politics, faith, religion, and theology, all through the lens of someone loving, learning, leading, while living with a disability. Welcome to the Autism Pastor Podcast. I wrote this message, I rewrite stuff all the time. And I had this quote, and then somehow I erased who it came from, so I, don't, I couldn't go back and find where it came from. So I don't want to plagiarize, this is not my quote. I just somehow inadvertently erased that part of the document, and I don't know who said it, because I got hundreds of books, and I don't remember who said what. But, but listen to this quote. The church cannot be a sign of unity if it achieves unity by marginalizing those who do not fit in. So, so here's what I want to give, because we're going to talk about this more. But you heard me say this. We, we want to not just be diverse in ethnicity and social economic class, but you all know my heart. Another way that we need to become more diverse is by being inclusive of those with diverse abilities or those with disabilities. We're going to continue to work on that. But I found out that just in East Point alone, this was an old census, so I don't have the new data, almost 11 percent of people in this city alone have some form of disability and that's not counting children who are 18 and under or people who are 65 and older so we, we need to be a place where they can belong and be part of the family so I want to end with what Peter said in the beginning of his message and we'll pray the opening part of his sermon after he got this revelation from God was this God does not discriminate. That's, that's a good message. That's a message we want to preach to our community and to the world. Let's pray, God. We thank you. This is Lamar Hardwick, and you're listening to the Autism Pastor Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 2, Slaves Without Masters, Part 2, Racism and Ableism in American History. In this series of episodes, we are examining the connection between race, religion, and disability in American history. As we begin the conversation about how addressing racism ultimately requires us to address America's ableist history. Before we get started, I have some exciting news to share. You can now read Autism Pastor Press in the new Substack app from iPhone. With the app, you'll have a dedicated inbox for my Substack and others you subscribe to. New posts will never get lost in your email filters or stuck in spam. The longer posts will never get cut off by your email app. Comments and rich media will all work seamlessly. Overall, it's a big upgrade to the reading experience. The Substack app 
It's currently available for iOS. And if you don't have an Apple device, you can join the Android wait list. So last week, I introduced you to a book that I have been reading that has aided me in my research on the intersection of disability and race. Be sure to check out last week's newsletter as well as the podcast, but I'll make sure to once again include a link to the book in the show notes. And again, the name of that book is The Mark of Slavery, Disability, Race, and Gender in Antebellum America. Now, chapter four of the book is named after the now infamously published Defense of Slavery by George Fitzhugh, Cannibals All or Slaves Without Masters. And it argues that slavery is, in fact, humane when considered over and against the free labor system of the North. Dr. Barclay writes that Fitzhugh's strategic use of the disabled slave illuminates the political efficacy of discursively linking disability with blackness to mobilize political support for slavery, a practice that substituted representation for reality and flattened the contours of disabled people's diverse experiences. Dr. Barclay strategically presents these ideas throughout the book. And in chapter four, she addresses the three primary ways that disability and blackness were linked in efforts to influence the institution of slavery. Chapter four of the Mark of Slavery is entitled Cannibal's All, The Politics of Slavery, Ableism, and White Supremacy. So last week, I gave a brief review of the first of three sections of the chapter four. And this week, I'll provide a brief overview of the final two sections of this important chapter. And in next next week's episode, I'll provide an analysis of Fitzhugh's use of disability imagery in relation to blackness. So the section, second section of chapter four is called Conquer the Monster in His Infancy, Disability, Sentimentality, and Radical Abolitionism. In this section, the author addresses the abolitionist movement and the approach used to argue against the merits of racial slavery in the United States. Similarly to the pro-slavery advocates, the abolitionist movement was influenced by religion. Abolitionist thought is believed to have been influenced by the Second Great Awakening and the religious revivalism that spanned the 18th century and lasted until the mid-1840s. Abolitionists were also guided by a Christian ethos of benevolence and charity, And those views also produced perspectives about disability that were equal to, and in some cases more damaging than, the religious views that motivated opponents, proponents of slavery. For many abolitionists, people with disabilities were thought of and portrayed as suffering humans trapped within defective bodies. Abolitionists often used sentimentalized depictions of disability as a means of communicating slavery as an institution that served as a source of disability. And in this way, abolitionists also link blackness to disability in harmful ways. Rhetoric employed by abolitionists also created images of enslaved as dependent due to disability and therefore unable to be benefactors of their own labor. In addition, many abolitionists use disability language to rouse white sympathy, as well as framing disability as a problem that could be remedied through education and training. The author of this book further shares that the abolitionist movement used 
disability imagery as a way to describe the impact the institution of slavery had on the nation as a whole. They often describe the institution of slavery as monstrous, a term closely associated with depictions of the disabled. Individual proponents of racial slavery were also described as living in a state of frantic rage or insane anger, along with other terms otherwise used to describe persons with intellectual disabilities. Barclay writes, the language that abolitionists develop in their portrayals of slaveholders and slavery affirm that alongside their patronizing but charitable view of disability, they also possess a more sinister revulsion to those perceived as deformed. The third section of chapter four is entitled The Secret of Master's Cruelty, Disability and Fugitive Slave Narratives. And in this third and final section of the chapter, the the author argues and engages the use of disability imagery in a particular genre of writing known as slave narratives. Now, slave narratives were often first-person accounts of slavery written by former victims of racial slavery, particularly in the South. Slave narratives were an important part of the strategy to combat racial slavery, and the narratives often provided detailed accounts of the gruesome, physically disabling conditions of slavery that were common experiences for enslaved Africans in America. Dr. Barclay shares that although slave narratives were first-person accounts of slavery, They still, more often than not, made a direct link with disability, as did both the pro-slavery and abolitionist movements. Dr. Barclay writes that slave narratives, references to disability and disabled people sometimes reaffirmed prevailing negative views, i.e. that brutal punishment reduced healthy, quote, normal people to useless invalids or cripples. In other cases, they suggested an understanding of disability unique from those held by most whites, stressing that disabled individuals were invaluable members of enslaved families and communities. Slave narratives portrayed them not as liabilities, but assets and their poor treatment at the hands of slaveholders as particularly egregious. The author's depiction of the use of slave narratives and the connection between disability and blackness mirrors much of the discussion between the pro-slavery and abolitionists. However, the author does seem to imply that in the case of the fugitive slave narratives, the use of disability imagery and the inadvertent connection to blackness tended to be far less intentional, although ultimately yielding similar results. All in all, it seems as though one of the ways we can trace the connection in history between disability and race and also religion is that no matter where you looked in the antebellum period, disability, disability imagery and working definitions of disability at that time all seem to be related to blackness. So whether it was pro-slavery narratives, abolitionist narratives, or even fugitive slave accounts written by firsthand experience all seem to be overwhelmingly influenced by the notion that disability and blackness were inexplicably linked together. And so in the next podcast, we'll examine a bit further the implications 
of how disability and blackness were linked together, particularly in the ways in which it tended to historically pathologize blackness, simply meaning that as time moved on throughout history, blackness itself was seen as a disability. Well, that's it for episode two of season two. If you enjoyed this podcast, I want to encourage you to go wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a positive review and also share this podcast with your family or friends. And we'll be back next week as we continue to explore racism and ableism in American history and how in order for us to address the issues of race, we need to continue to address the issues of disability discrimination. That's all for this week of the Autism Pastor Podcast. See you next week.